going to speak this morning, I'm going to uh, continue, I believe, where PJ left off last weekend and speak about grace. And I am trusting it will be more than words, uh, which God's kingdom is. It's not just words, it's power. That we actually, through the word, will receive grace. Grace upon grace, gift upon gift. And um, I, I want to remind you of... Um, a picture the Lord gave to me two Sundays ago now, but it's remained with me. I see it every day, sometimes several times a day, of, a, of an earthen pot, huge it was, tipped on its side with this golden oil flowing freely out. And it just kept on flowing, kept on flowing. And really it's symbolic of the life of the Spirit and what the Lord is wanting to do in all of us, actually. The... The Holy Spirit lives in us, but it's that flow, free flow of the life of the Spirit into our souls and then out to reach a needy world who are just out there. Really evidence of God in our lives, but that's what the grace of God is. Evidence of God in our lives, in our circumstances, and then through us to other people. So that actually they're really pleased to be around you, if I can put it like that. They like being around us. They like talking to us. They're glad they had that chat or they're glad they you know, had that chance meeting with you because they receive the golden oil, the life of the Spirit through you and through me. And our Jesus... He's altogether lovely. He has this ability to draw people, always has had, always will have. When he's let loose, really, through our lives, he draws people. Um, his grace draws people. And we're saved by grace, the scripture says, doesn't it? We're saved by his grace in the first place. But my gosh, we need his grace every day going forward for the rest of our lives until we go and be with him for eternity, that one who saved our souls for eternity. But in this life, this side of that dividing line, we need his grace. And one of my favorite, and it really is one, I know I kind of say this quite often, but this really is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. It's Ephesians 2 and verse 8. And I often think of it and I often pray it. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And actually, verse 9 goes on to emphasize the point, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't take credit for it. Couldn't then, couldn't now, never will be able to, because it's not a works thing, it's a grace thing. His grace saved us and continues to save us. Law demands works it's just the nature of the kind of the way it is law demands works to be right with God Jesus offers grace I just love that it's a free gift every day he offers grace and John 1 17 says the law came through Moses people got to know the law because it was given to Moses on Mount Sinai wasn't it written on two tablets of stone and brought to the people. They knew the will of God because he gave them the law. We're aware of sin because of the law. <laughs> but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Praise God for the grace and truth because to be righteous through the law, you have to be righteous in absolutely everything 
all of the time. Who can do it? Not one of us. James 2 verse 10 says this, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. So think of it, you could keep 99% of it and fail in the 1%, you've broken the whole law. You would be absolutely gutted, frankly, wouldn't you? I mean, track record of 99%, you are a star, 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 blip. Lost it all. Failed. So we could never work our way to God, never, never, despite our best efforts. We would have been eternally separated if it wasn't for Jesus. The only way left is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Go back to Ephesians 2, please, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So we can't earn his grace, but it comes to us through believing. Faith first, then the grace. The faith enables us to access the grace. Now I want to connect that Ephesians 2.8 with a, another important scripture, which is Colossians 2 verse 6. For me, these two scriptures belong together because scripture puts them together. And if you see them together, it's so helpful. So it says, as therefore... Uh, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Right? So we've just, not just found out, I'm sure you knew it very well, but we've just been looking. The way we're saved is by grace through faith. So the way we continue, if we could have a look at this slide, the way we continue to walk in him, how do we do that? By grace through faith. We started by grace through faith, every day, here on in, by grace, yes. through faith. So the way you start is the way you continue. Faith accesses the grace. Believing Jesus accesses his ability. Grace saves us. I'm putting that into present tense, not just saved in the past. Grace saves you today. Grace changes you today. Grace enables you today or empowers us today. And I'm going to give you two definitions of grace, one I prefer more than another, right? First one, you'll know it, you've heard it many times, grace is the unearned favor of God. I do love that because we absolutely need to know that. It's the unearned favor of God, but I prefer the second. For me, uh, it explains it better in a way Faith is the enabling presence and power of God. Because the thing is with the first definition, right? The unearned favor of God. We can expect the favor of God and kind of operate a bit like the Jews. Without relationship. Do you know what I mean? So we can operate by principle, believing for favor, with no connection to the person. I'm all into confession because he is. It's a powerful thing to believe and confess the word. But you can get hold of scriptures and confess and confess and confess to lay hold of the grace of God in a way through confession. But you, you can do that and miss relationship with him. 
You're operating by principle rather than going to the person without the relationship. And he is really wanting relationship. He so wants fellowship with you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship or communion of the Holy Spirit be with you and you and you and you and whatever your name is and wherever you are listening online, fellowship with you relationship with you and we're to experience the grace of God um, other people are to experience the grace of God through us there's a great scripture that you will know well that says taste and see that the Lord is good are they not both senses to taste is a sense to see is a sense it's a sensory experience if you're tasting something you're experiencing it if you're seeing you're having an experience People are to it. We are to experience the grace of God. And then the kind of knock-on brilliant benefit is that other people get to experience the grace of God through us. And last month, the Lord was really putting his finger, emphasizing the importance of believing and speaking. And I shared my testimony how the Lord, praise God, uh, really opened my eyes to see how that was key for me in laying hold of the healing that I am doing in process of. Um, but my confession, I just want to uh, be open and honest with you, my confession dropped a bit. and Because I had been speaking the promises he'd given me regularly. I mean, really, at one point, every 10 to 15 minutes regularly throughout the day. And my eyes, praise the Lord, have started to improve. I've seen some real benefit, physical changes. But my confession dropped off. And lo and behold, the improvement dropped off. And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I was just having my time with the Lord one night. It, it took me a while to sort of cotton on uh, that, that that's what happened. And I said, oh, Lord, I'm really sorry. And you know what he said to me? It was absolutely liberating. It blessed me so much. I heard it immediately. He said, this is not a works thing. I was like, Praise God. It's not down to how many times a day I can cram this confession in. You know, and if you forget, whoop, it's going to level off again. No, it's not a works thing. It's a grace thing. Speaking the word is important. In fact, it's vital because in speaking the word, it helps us believe. But it's the believing, really, that releases the grace of God. The enabling presence and power, the enabling presence and power of God. Faith releases the grace. Both are a gift. So we can't even take credit for the faith because the faith's a gift as well. Faith's a gift. Grace is a gift. And we absolutely need both. He gives both, though. But we're, we're to look for the grace. You know, we're really to be mindful that it's available to us and actually look for the grace of God in the course of your day. Really the activity and work of the Holy Spirit. When I, I just wanted to share this because hopefully this will be helpful to you, but when I'm choosing books, books can be so influential and a brilliant way to go on progress really in your relationship with the Lord but when I'm choosing a book I'm like that deer in Psalm 42 sniffing out the water where's the activity of God is this book just encouraging me to do something 
Or is it encouraging me to do something dependent on him? (laughs) Through faith in him, I'm going to be able to do this. Because the faith releases the grace. So I can work at something and be absolutely diligent and focused on, yes, I'm going to do this. But if I'm working on my own, I'm just going to get a natural result. But if I work and apply myself through faith in him, lo and behold, I'm going to get supernatural activity on it. God on it. And PJ and I are always looking for where's the Holy Spirit working? You know, what's God on? A conversation, an idea, a song, a book. Because where he's working, there's life. It's like a bubbling stream. There's energy to it. And there's an ease to it. So we're to look for the grace of God. But also, and this is absolutely so key, we have to learn how to rely on the grace of God. And that can be a challenge. Because if we're honest, it's not that easy a lesson. You can start off with really good intentions at the start of the day. Right? I'm going to rely on the grace of God today. But when you hit challenge and you start to struggle, you can go back to your own, well, I'll just get on and do what I know to do and, you know, arm of the flesh kind of thing. Or, conversely, if we succeed and do well, we can be tempted to go back to depending on ourselves. Either way, it doesn't release the grace of God. Um, so, in all the stuff of life, at home, learn how to rely on the grace of God. All the stuff of home life, at work, all the things that you're asked to do and expected to do, rely on the grace of God. Ministry, either in the church or out in the world, learning how to rely on the grace of God. And actually, Ephesians 10, uh, Ephesians 2.10, the follow-on from, obviously, 8 and 9, Uh, it talks about there's good works prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Like there is actually stuff to do and we need to apply ourselves. We don't just kind of sit back and let God do it all. He has chosen to work through us. But in all our doing, we really need to learn how to kind of do with him, rely on him, listening for his voice, sensitive to his internal nudges. And I want to share with you three scriptures that really help me on a day-to-day basis, really help me to rely, lean back on the grace of God and see that life of the Spirit then operating. The first one is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. What a revelation. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, you need to remind your flesh of this. Because from time to time, it rears its ugly head. And I, I've learned to say to my flesh, you are dead to me. Don't think you're having your way in this. Back in the grave. And then, Jesus, I'm living by faith in you. What are you saying? What are you wanting to do? And also... Really affirm Christ living in you. I mean positively say it. Thanks, Jesus, you're living in me. No matter who I meet, no matter what I meet, I meet them or it with you in 
me, living in me, when you're tempted to say something or do something that you know isn't right, flesh, you're dead to me. Jesus, you're living in me. Thank you. You give me your grace power right now to say and do what I know is right. And it has got to be real nitty-gritty practical for the little repetitive things and the bigger occasional things where you can be tipped into the flesh like that. We all know ourselves. We should recognize the trips from history. Lord, I need your grace for that. And so I'm going to be wise to it. And also approach it with faith in you, dependent on you for your grace for that situation or that need. Second scripture, Philippians 3.3. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. What an absolute wonder. We're all tempted to put confidence in the flesh with the stuff we're good at. We need you, need you, need you, Jesus, and the things we're not very good at. But the stuff we are quite good at, in our own eyes, we can put confidence in, right? I put no confidence in the flesh. Not in experience, not in natural ability even, or gifting. Lord, what are you saying? What do you want to do in this situation? King David was an awesome warrior and I mean the man was skilled incredible uh, battles he won the odds against him were just really and you still won he knew it he knew he was skilled he knew he had an ability a God-given ability that made him mighty he knew about it other people knew about it because they watched and saw shock and awe at what he did They even made songs about it, didn't they? Saul's slain his thousands, you, 10,000. Yet, he didn't rely on his experience and he didn't rely on his skill. He always said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Should I go up? Should I fight this one or not? Because unless you're with me, I'm not going. Unless you're saying, yes, I'm not even picking up my tools. I put no confidence in the flesh. Philippians 4, 13, third one. So important, these three. Of course, we know this. I, does anybody here love this scripture, like love? Oh, it's a good one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With Christ in me, I can face anything and anyone, and so can you. Anything and anyone within the will of God. Just a little caveat there, because when you're outside of the will of God, suddenly you find the grace is not available. But within the will of God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I've kind of started this, um, it's not a game, but it's like a catchphrase that I have with Jesse, where I say one part and he says another part. Jesse's my nine-year-old nephew. And um, I say to him, you can do all things, Jesse. And he turns around with a big smile on his face and he'll go, through Christ who strengthens me. High five. Now, you know, it's kind of a little fun thing. But what I'm wanting to do in that is for him to learn that. And when he's at school and finding something tough in the classroom or in the playground, he's like, you can do all things, Jesse, through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ who strengthens you. It's in him. Not a 
confidence in the flesh thing, but are through Christ who strengthens me. And so when you're under pressure, when you feel you can't handle something, if you want to see the grace of God start flowing, speak it over yourself. Whatever your name is, you can do all things. You can do this through Christ who strengthens you. I'm not putting confidence in my flesh for this. I'm relying on you, Jesus. Flesh, you're dead to me. But Jesus, you're living in me. And there's nothing your power can't change. There's no weakness, no lack that your ability can't meet. PJ last weekend brought a brilliant word and a vital word on humility. But actually, one of the outworkings of humility is yielding. Let's just say that word. Yielding. Bending. (laughs) Surrendering, even. If you think of clay, it can't be molded unless it's soft, right? Can it? It just, you know? But if it's soft, you apply even the tiniest bit of pressure, it will yield. The Lord wants us like that. Not so stuck in our own ways and our own ideas and our own experience and our own blah, 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 that we will not yield. But if we yield to him, there's grace for every need and there's grace for every problem. For every need and for every problem, there's a corresponding grace. So for every timidity, there's Jesus' courage. For every anger, there's Jesus' gentleness. For every desire of the flesh, wrong desire, there's Jesus' freedom. There's Jesus' purity, Jesus' holiness, and my gosh, you come to a place of rest. Whatever the problem is, big or small, there's the grace of Jesus. And he so wants us to experience this, to really know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There's no, no, nothing, nothing in this life that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship voice and leading of the Holy Spirit can't get you through. I, I, with utter confidence in that statement, I would say it to anybody in any situation. The grace of Jesus the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will take you through, navigate you through anything, big or small and anything in between. Um, I want to speak a bit about heart now because as you fully know, all the issues of life flow out of heart. It's the engine, like Grand Central, everything flows from there. We tend to think it's our minds, but our minds really only do what the heart wants. So all the issues of life flow out of the heart. People can't see what's going on in your heart or mine, but the Lord can. He's really interested in the inner life. I know you know this, but 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. So people can be impressed with the outward appearance and the outward behavior, but he's looking at heart. And I, one of the verses I find so sobering is in Hebrews 4.13, which, which says, all things are laid bare 
and open before the eyes of the one to whom we must give account. Oh, you want to walk straight with that one. Live right with that one, by the grace of God. And um, as you know, I'm, I'm reading through the Bible in a year. And after PJ's message last Sunday morning on humility, I have my time with the Lord at night. And I was reading through Second Chronicles. Now, Chronicles, as you might guess, is a list. And it's a list of good kings and bad kings. And it's just amazing how the good thing kings who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, they prosper. They do well. Things go really well for them. It's not without hiccups, but ultimately things go well. The bad kings, the ones who don't worship God and set up uh, worship to the Baals, the foreign gods, lo and behold, things turn out very badly for them. But I found this, honestly, I was shocked. I had to read it a couple of times. I couldn't, wow, amazing verse. And we're going to look at 2 Chronicles 25, 1 and 2. So Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 29 years. I love the details. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name, by the way, was Jehodan of Jerusalem. Now, this is the verse. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Mic drop. I won't do it. Really. He did what was right. All the outworking was right. People would have thought, what a good king. He's doing ever so well. And yet the Lord saw, not with a loyal heart. Has anybody here, you may not want to be honest, I'll be the first to be honest, ever done what was right with a complaint on the inside? <laughs> done what was right, but not very happy about it. Do you know what I mean? Bit of a bad attitude going on, some resentment, anger even, unforgiveness maybe. And although Amaziah did what was right, it didn't end well for him. Actually, there was a conspiracy against him. He was killed. So there's no release of God, the grace of God, without a right heart. Now, I am not preaching a gospel of works. Never let me do that. Because it's by the grace of God that we can toe the line, walk on this narrow way that the Lord has for us. There's grace for obedience, Romans says. There's grace for it. There's the enabling presence and power of God. But he does want us to live right, clean, before him. So obedience alone is not enough. The heart really matters. It matters a lot. Because if your heart's not right, actually you lose your confidence. It just goes. There's a psalm 66, I should have checked the reference. I think it's Psalm 66 towards the end of it that says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, you will not hear my prayer. Hmm. And we so need confidence with God because it's the confidence, the faith, that releases the grace. By grace, through faith. Faith accesses the grace. So if there's no grace, there's just natural process and natural consequences and we don't want just natural I really want to see more and more of the super 
natural, don't you? I know you do. You wouldn't even be here or listening if you didn't. Jesus said in that amazing um, reveal of the kingdom of heaven, the Sermon on the Mount, only the pure in heart see God. And I believe that's more than just an encounter in a moment. I believe it's the pure in heart that see his activity in life, the circumstances of life, really the enabling presence and power of God. Pure in heart, see God. And I want to see that more and more, don't you? The enabling, I'm saying it a lot because I want you to remember it, the enabling presence and power of God. I'm going to finish with this scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not of us. His kindness, power of God, not me. His patience, power of God working, not me. His wisdom, power of God, not you. Grace, grace, grace through you and me. So it's not our best efforts to imitate him. It's his actual original Life and power operating through us. The first is human strength, the other is God's strength. You know, let's take patience, for example. There are many, many, many things that require patience. We, this morning, were driving in through the slowest, slowest of slow drivers that Taunton has, I'm quite sure. (laughs) And it was a test of PJ's patience. She was all right, a few, you know, kind of puffs and pants and comments. But, you know, in the end, she blessed whoever it was and prayed for the safety of those around. But, you know, there are many tests of patience, and we need to pray and say, Lord, I need your faith for that, but I'm going to use the faith you've given me to believe in that thing. Maybe it's a small thing, but a repetitive thing that can be a huge source of irritation, I'm going to use my faith at that point that I'm going to have your grace to be so patient, so Jesus-like, I'm going to surprise myself, never mind anybody else around me, you know? To go back to the pot, the clay pot, it was tipped over. It was lying on its side, or it was bowed. And actually, it's the bowing It's the bowing. Grace to the humble, isn't it? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's the bowing or the yielding that releases his power. Now, God lives in us. If we're born again, no doubt. He lives in us by his spirit. We have treasure in these jars of clay. But my gosh, can't we ignore him? It's been a long time now that I've gone through a day and ignored him, but I have so have you. We can ignore him and we can grieve him. Actually, grieving or ignoring him all by itself grieves him. But we can, of course, grieve him in other ways. Either way, he's contained. The oil stays in the jar. The treasure stays in the jar. We, we're not conscious of him. We're just conscious of this natural world we live in. And there's no evidence of him in our lives or through our lives. But if we will bow, if we will ask forgiveness, things start to change, lo and behold. We start to experience. And I mean really, like, wow, where did that come from? Grace of God. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the love of God, if we can have it on the screen, and the fellowship or the communion of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to have some ministry time. Ash, if you, would you mind helping us meet with the Lord now? Because we need to respond to the Lord. This is not a message to say, oh, you know, quite like that. Yeah, kind of spoke to me and move away. It's a To be honest, every word the Lord's wanting a response from, actually, isn't he? But from the minute we wake in the morning, and I mean before your feet even hit the floor, we've got a choice. Flesh or spirit? I had this thought, and I've had it before, but we are in a sense like hybrid cars. You know, a hybrid, it can operate by petrol or electric. Never both at the same time. We can operate by the flesh, or by the Spirit. So the minute we wake in the morning, there's the choice. Which way are you going today? When your feet hit the floor. Now I'm going to read a list. I, uh, I think it was Thursday. I just started thinking about tendencies of the flesh. And I wrote a list. It came really quick. And you know, when things happen quick and easy, it's a sign God's on it. And it, this is not to condemn you, because this is a horrible list. I warn you now. It's not a good list. But flesh needs exposing because sometimes it can operate in the dark and you're not even aware of it you know probably like Amaziah so I'm going to read you this list you like to receive mercy but you don't like giving it you expect a sorry but you don't like saying it superior self-righteous harsh quick to judge and find guilty quick-tempered Sensitive, prickly, moody, you bear a grudge, you won't budge, stubborn, self-promoting, self-confident, self-pitying, self-focused, and of course there are many, many more, underworking, lazy, overworking, often because of stress or anxiety, we can overwork, a sign of the flesh is overworking, also sometimes it's to show off and to prove ourselves sometimes even in prayer people can do this and they're I'm sure not aware but they pray these long-winded prayers (sighs) Smith Wigglesworth has a brilliant comment about that he says when the Holy Spirit stopped stop (laughs) but all these things and it's an awful list but I say it because I want to put light out into the darkness and it's really good that we can see I'm sure there's something on that list for all of us to identify with if you're identifying with them all do not despair God can work with anybody who wants to change so I'm just going to ask you we're going to do business with God now just take time in his presence and if there's something there or something else Say, Lord, I'm sorry because I so want and need your grace flowing in my life. Confess it, Scripture says. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive it, to cleanse you from it as if it never happened. But you know, repentance is a turning around. It's making a decision not to do that going forward. And that's the point of decision he wants to bring us to today. I recognize that. I know it's not right. 
even if it's been the habit of a lifetime, Lord, I want to change. I want to do life different from here on in. By your grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the enabling presence and power of God to just pray. Be specific. And if you don't know of anything, say, Lord, shine your light. This afternoon, this evening, this week, put your finger on things. I invite you to do it. It's painful. I don't like it, but I know it's going to release your grace in my life. The Lord takes us at our word, you know. He does what we ask him to do when we pray like this. Oh, Lord, I invite you, shine your spotlight on me. I don't want to be high and mighty in my own mind. Wise in my own mind, Lord. But I want to fear you and depart from evil. Lord, we so want to see that oil poured out, that grace, ability of God to us, Lord, so that we can be like you, empowered by you, really live by you and for you in very real, surprising, amazing ways that other people notice as well as us. We love you, Jesus. We know you're mighty to save. Your arm's not too short and there's mercy and grace to help in time of need. But Lord, I'm praying more than anything, we'd recognize our need. That there be no shady areas, Lord, where the enemies, well, really we allow flesh and the enemy just to kind of have their own little corner of our lives. No, in Jesus' name, let us serve you, Lord. No holes barred, nothing hold back, free. Free for you to speak and work in anything, in any area, in any department of our lives and circumstances. Because, Lord, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We want to honour you. But Lord, we need you to do it. We can't even do that. We can't even honour you without you. We need you to do what you want us to do. And actually, we want to do. Lord, restore the joy of our salvation. Renew a right spirit in us, we pray that sinners may be converted to you. The world can only see really this oil, this grace of your life flowing when we're living right. Turned, our hearts turned to serve you. Not just like Amaziah doing what's right, ticking the boxes with a heart that isn't right, but, but right on the outside and right on the inside. Lord, that's how we want to be, but help us do it, Lord. This afternoon, I pray that we'd notice a difference. Oh, Lord, let's just raise our hands. To raise your hands, it's a surrender sign, isn't it? Lord, I want to surrender. I want to be that, like that pot tipped over, not standing upright, proud, with you contained, yielded, so that you can flow. Come, Lord Jesus, take your place. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.